Today's episode of InVibe Life Conversations podcast is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. It's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The reality is that even if people are having sex, that does not mean they understand what's happening or what works for their bodies or their partner's bodies. And so there's a lot of normalization that occurs, a lot of education that occurs. I'm not watching people have sex. I'm not (laughs) asking for, you know, they can tell me, (laughs) oh, I have people ask me that. Are you going to want us to like have sex in front of you? (laughs) No. No, you can tell me about how it goes and how you feel and where the hiccups are and things like that. And I'll help to give you some guidance. Um, But I'm not, that's your personal space. Welcome to InVibe Live Conversations with Amy Parker and Cheryl Dunn. By tuning in, you're joining a community that will inspire you to increase balance, wellness, and joy in your life. We'll offer expert information and insightful conversations to help us on our journey to live more in vibe. For more information and articles, remember to also check out our website at invibelife.com. That's E-N-V-I-B-E-L-I-F-E.com. We're grateful that you're here. Welcome to InVibe Live Conversations with Amy Parker and Cheryl Dunn. And today we have a special guest, Dr. Tiffany Stanley from Dr. Tiffany Stanley Therapy. And we are so glad to have her back. This is someone that we had at our big nourish event this year. So we got to know her and Mm -hmm. couldn't believe how much Dr. Stanley sort of your beliefs on people and the importance of caring for themselves. And I'd say living in vibe (laughs) aligns with our beliefs. And, you know, we have a way we express that and things we suggest people do. It underlies your therapy practice and even sex therapy practice. And that was really interesting to us how much our underlying foundational beliefs were just hand in hand. And we talk to people in completely different ways about it. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about you. Okay. So I am a licensed professional counselor, psychotherapist, and a supervisor. So I supervise other counselors who are in training. Um, I'm also a ASAT, which is the American Society for Certification for Sex Therapy. So I'm an ASAT certified sex therapist. I also have a doctorate in clinical sexology, which is basically the equivalent of sex therapy. So I have a doctorate in that. Um, and I'm also an American board diplomat of sexology. So there's a small group of us in the, in the United States that kind of facilitate or sort of oversee the sex therapist or sexologist in the U.S. I'm also licensed in the U.K., and that is because my husband's from England. And so for the time that I was there, which was short, I went ahead and did all the certification process. And so now I can kind of see people in Europe as well as America. So it broadens my spectrum a bit. Um, then I'm also, uh, an EMDR trained therapist, 
which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing, which is wonderful for anxiety and trauma, sexual discomfort and pain. It just has so many options of helping people. And then in addition to that, I'm also um, an emotionally focused therapist. And so I work with couples as well as, well as individuals, understanding their attachment style, their um, emotional connection with themselves and with their partner and how those cycles kind of impact their relationships. So those are two therapeutic modalities that I use quite a bit, EMDR and EFT. Um, so it's my practice is I, I work with adults. I work with individuals and couples. I do a lot of workshops and groups and things like that as well. Um, and I think all of these modalities, as far as like a psychotherapist, a, a general psychotherapy uh, trained professional, as well as a sex therapy, they overlap. And it's like having two hats that I'm constantly changing throughout my time with my clients. Because if you're struggling with anxiety or depression or life changes, it's going to influence your sex life. It's going to influence your relationship and vice versa. So if you're feeling disconnected intimately with your partner or with yourself, that can create anxiety, conflict, all of the above. So and vice versa, right? And vice versa. Exactly. So I'm, I use all of those uh, concepts all the time. And one of my main kind of focuses is how are you caring for yourself? How are you caring for yourself before you're caring for your partner? And sometimes that's hard for people to kind of swallow the idea of like, so I focus on me first. Yes. And we totally we're responsible for ourselves. This is what we love about who you are, where you come from and what you do. But I do want to go into a little bit about your practice okay. because I do think people don't understand what a sex therapist is or what that would look like or entail. So just tell our listeners, I mean, this is in office talk therapy, not something racier that you might've seen in a movie at some point, right? Just tell them what. Right, right. I get so many people go, so what? Like, especially with the sex therapy, general psychotherapy. I I didn't get the Cheryl and I will admit when this podcast topic came up and even for nurse, we both went, we might be a little too (laughs) shy for that. I don't know. You might have the wrong girls. But then as we've gotten to know you, we realized how much we actually do align with what you're all about in teaching. So yeah, just tell people a little bit about what a sex therapy session is like and what that would look like. It's very much like your general therapy sessions. So I'm t- we're talking about the things that are concerning you, that are problematic, or the things that you want to improve. Sometimes it's not that it's in crisis, it's just feeling stuck or stale or, or whatever that is. And it's talking about it. It's uh, resourcing, you know, what are some resources that can be supportive, educational? There's a lot of education involved in this of uh, things that, you know, the reality is that even if people are having sex, that does not mean they understand what's happening or what works for their bodies or their partner's bodies. And so there's a lot of normalization that occurs, a lot of education that occurs. I'm not watching people have sex. I'm not <laughs> asking for, you know, they can tell me, oh, I have people ask me that. Are you going to want us to like have sex in front of you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you can tell me about how it goes and how you feel and where the hiccups are and things like that. And I'll help to give you some guidance. Um, but I'm not, that's your personal space. 
but it's it, people go there. They think I'm going to ask no. about. Every once in a while, there'll be a movie oh, yeah. or a sitcom episode or something, and that's shut. what it's about. Exactly. <laughs> yes, and it. I, you know, there may be somebody out there that that talks like somehow puts that into place. But I will say that as part is it a part of the uh, sex therapy certification through ASAT is there are all these ethical uh, boundaries, and that is very clearly stated that that is not what we do. And we, it is, it is psychotherapy, but the focus is on sexual functioning, sexual education, um, healing. You know, I work with a lot of individuals who have either had history of some form of sexual trauma or assault or just inappropriate behavior um, recently or in the past and helping them to work through that and process that. And, um, so that they can embrace their sexuality from a really healed, healthy place. And you can work with people individually or couples. Yes. Together. Yes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I work with a couple, I might see them. And in fact, typically in the beginning of working with a couple, I'll see them together. I'll see them individually. And then we come back to working as a couple moving forward and occasionally might meet individually as needed. Um, and that is, that's appropriate because it gives an opportunity for me to have that one-on-one time. Perhaps here's some things that they're not quite ready to talk through with their partner and help them to work through that. And then we bring it all together. But the, the purpose is for the, the um, connection and the healing within that couple relationship when it's couples therapy. Well, and I think a lot of people really don't know this is out there mm-hmm. as an option and how um, safe and comfortable it might be. And then the other thing that comes up to me is we recently interviewed um, Dr. Lisa Jukes for a podcast Mm -hmm. and, you know, she's a um, gynecologist and just talking about how many people, maybe especially women ignore um, body changes that Mm -hmm. can be helped. And I would think it's the same for emotional changes that can be helped. Just think, oh, well, this is just how I am. Or maybe I'm so exhausted because my three kids or my new dog isn't sleeping right now. (laughs) I'm not sleeping or whatever, or I'm 50 now. So those days are in the past, but Mm -hmm. there is help. There is help. And I think there's a lot of messages that are out there that we accept as beliefs and they're not accurate. Um, age being, well, you know, your sex life's down the tubes once you hit a certain age or, um, or that once you get married, just forget having sex. None of that is true. None of that is true. It is a lot of what's going on in our mind that influences our sexual desire and our, um, and the, the, the quality of our sexual relationships. And when I say relationships, I mean, even the relationship with ourselves. Okay. you know, not just the relationship with another person. And I, I do work with individuals that are struggling with sexual pain, women with sexual pain, men that are recovering from perhaps prostate cancer or things like that, where they're having difficulty with erection. And many of them come in thinking, this is just how it is. I'm going to have to deal with pain forever. I'm going to have to deal with an erection issue forever. And it's not true. There are so many resources that people just don't know about. Dr. Juice is a fantastic resource for helping women to understand that there are adjustments that can be made. There's so many different options to help 
with sexual pain, incontinence, all these different things that women struggle with. And as she um, shared with us, they're getting less and less invasive. Oh and yeah, more accessible. But I, what I like what you said is the story in our head, the power of our mind. I mean, that should be your um, first go-to, maybe not our easiest go-to, but I think it's one of those things that like, there are no side effects of working with your brain. You know, it's not like taking a pill or that kind of thing, you know, it's, but we do need, I think as individuals, we need help and guidance to learn about that story we're talking about. telling ourselves in our head. And that's where someone like you comes into play that can really kind of hold our hand through this. Mm -hmm. And don't you feel that, that that's a big piece of just getting through things, getting through the hump and, you know, about the whole, like through COVID, yes, we are more together with our spouses, but does that really really mean we are more together with our spouses? No, (laughs) no. In fact, what I have seen through COVID is a rise in sexual, is sexual, a rise in relationship conflict. A ri- I mean, their divorce rate has increased during COVID. Mm-hmm. And what we think is that if we're together all the time, we're going to be closer and more connected. But in reality, we're not used to that. We're not used to our partner either being in the same room working or down the hall, let alone our kids being there too, you know? And so uh, it, the idea is more time together, more things are going to happen. It's not true. We actually need that personal space to come back together. And so um, what you're talking about with, with the, the thoughts and the beliefs are so powerful and they do influence what we believe is available, the lens we see the world through, Um, what we, you know, that availability, like this is just how it's going to be, or this is just what it's like. This is what I've always heard. This is what it's like when you're a certain age. This is what it's like after you've had babies. This is what it's like after, you know, you've been with somebody for a certain amount of time. And so you adopt that and believe that must be the truth because I've heard it so many times and yet it's not true. And it's really what we think and believe and affirm for ourselves. I I love that. So let's start at the beginning. <laughs> so we've said, and you shared with us both through the Nourish event, in, which is was a great um, class or presentation you gave, as well as when we were talking, getting ready for this podcast, that really the first thing or one of the hardest obstacles for many people is learning to take care of themselves. Yes. And that's where it all starts. And you can't really take care of your anyone else until you take care of yourself. And it's not self-absorbed to do that. And it's not a bad character trait to do that. It's a necessary. It really is. And I think, again, when we talk about those <clears throat> messages and beliefs that we've, we've picked up, that we've adopted, one of the one of the most paramount ones is the fact that we're, it's selfish to, to put yourself first. It is self-absorbed. It's a negative thing. And yet it really isn't because the fact is we are solely responsible for ourselves. No one else. We can say, oh, when this person does this for me or this happens outside of myself. But in reality, we are truly responsible for ourselves. And so if we're not taking care of ourselves first, you know, we've missed the mark. That's the starting foundation. 
and it's not selfish. It's, it's self care and it's um, it's necessary. So the, this might be too broad of a question, but when you're working with couples, if you had to give us an answer of like one thing that most people could start with in this journey of self-care, what would you say we should start with? Are you talking about as a couple, the individuals in that couple? Uh, just individuals, you know, like, cause I feel like if you're giving it to an individual, it could, it's also an asset to a couple, right? You know? So as an individual, like across the board, and, and this might, like I said, it could be too broad of a question, but you're like 90% of the time I give, this is a good starting point to take care of yourself. I don't know. There is an answer to that. Well, even a part of my intake paperwork that a client would fill out before they come to see me first page, you know, few questions in, what do you do for self-care? Okay. And Often that is blank, left blank. That is huge to me when someone comes in and says, I didn't know how to answer that. I don't have time for that. What does that mean? That it's just like ding, 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 ding. That's huge because that should have variety of different things based on the different times in your life and circumstances. And if it's blank, it's, it's, it tells me a lot. And so to answer your question as an individual, even if they're coming to see me as a couple, and they're both filling out this sort of intake and telling me, and it's another thing that's kind of telling when there's a discrepancy there where one partner's self-care is a plethora of things and the other one is nothing or one or two. There's an imbalance there. And, and it could be that that one person recognizes how valuable self-care is and the other one isn't there. Or it could be that that's how the relationship is shifted where one's self-care is put as priority and the other is not. And so I, you know, as far as like the first thing I would say is we talk about that and, and do some research. What have you done in the past that has felt fulfilling? What have you done for yourself that has nothing to do with anyone else? That's you know, good. people say, Oh, I enjoy making dinner for yourself or for the family. Well, for everybody, Okay, what do you enjoy doing that is for no one else but yourself? It's a hard question to answer. Oh, I bet that is. A I hard bet it is. To do people resist you on that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. we've even seen that in people we've spoken to. Yeah, that it, it, it makes people uncomfortable. It does because again, we have these messages, and some of these messages come from our immediate caregivers. It's not just society or. TV or movies, it's mom or dad's either the way they lived their lives that we've watched or even verbal messages. This is what you do. This is what a good wife looks like. This is what a good husband looks like. This is what a man looks like. This is what a woman looks like. And we adopt it, you know, and then we kind of keep doing that, even if we intuitively know this does not fit. And I think I remember you're a big fan of affirmations. Definitely. Right. Yes. So when we think about affirmation, what we are doing is we are affirming what it is that we want. And when we affirm what we want, it's setting up this belief. This is possible for me. And you speak about an affirmation as if it's already occurred like this. Yes. I am surrounded by love. I am surrounded by joy. My life is safe. I'm safe. Those things are like our foundation that make us feel 
at ease so that we can do the things we need to do, receive the things we want. And so um, well, let's talk about that, okay. <laughs> about receiving mm-hmm. and worthiness. And um, people who've listened to us know that Cheryl and I talk a lot about like, the law of manifestation and being able to manifest things. I truly, truly believe mm-hmm. one of the most important key elements is worthiness. And you have to get a willingness to receive and really balance the energy of giving and receiving in order for things to come to you. And it could be a new job or, you know, the house of your dreams, but it is also the relationships you want and the care for yourself you want, because I know you talk about the exact same things to be incorporated into your therapy and with your patients. Yes. All of that is true. And, and I'm a big believer in the manifestation process. And that is about affirming, you know, you're, you're putting out there, this is what I want. And I believe that I can have this and we have to kind of break down some boundaries or break down some barriers, excuse me, barriers about what we believe we can have and what we can't. And again, those are messages. And that also includes our sex life, you know, pleasure, desire, passion, all of these things. Some people think that's just, that's not for, except that's not for me. I can't have that. Yes, you can. Absolutely. You can. And so, but you have to affirm it. Yeah. I love that. My mind's going in a million directions. I'm like, (laughs) so what are we going to do about manifesting the sex life of your dreams? I mean, like we've got a whole nother thing we can go into here. Really about being curious exploring ideas. You have to be willing to kind of put yourself in a vulnerable sort of space. And that could be just emotionally vulnerable of exploring what could be. And then in intuitively checking in with yourself, does that resonate for me? And that can be, you know, do I want to try a toy? I've never done a toy before. What's out there. And that could be a part of sex therapy too, is asking about that. Am I explaining some of the different variations that occur that are out there and what the benefits are. And, you know, that could be information or resources they've had no access to, or didn't even know existed. And here I am in this very comfortable place saying, well, let's talk about them. Here's this, this is what this does. And, you know, and then saying, okay, how do I feel about that? Um, What comes up? Are those beliefs and discomforts mine or messages I've picked up? And then thinking, okay, I really kind of am interested in that. Okay. So Imagine and believe that that's a possibility for you to have that, the pleasure, the toys, the, the fun, the variety, what, whatever it is, it's, it's different for everybody. So um, affirming is part of manifesting. Fascinating. I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> well, I mean, I really do think, yeah, we'll, we'll do another podcast where we just get into all of that because I think our audience would really love to hear about all of the options out there yeah. for um, sex therapy, um, toys to buy anything like right. we're, we're your audience because I don't know where to begin. I don't I even don't know, even know where to begin. So. Right? <laughs> but one thing we want to make sure we talk a little bit about is, um, you kind of hit on it a little bit, but how the world has changed during COVID and we are having to reevaluate our relationships And now as more and more of us are getting vaccinated and things are opening up, there's this, you you hear on the news, oh, things, when will they get back to normal? 
but will they ever really get back to normal? And what is the change on people and how do you help people navigate what comes next? I think we have to really kind of digest the concept that when we went into COVID and the pandemic, we were very unprepared. You know, we, we, we just weren't, we weren't prepared emotionally, even circumstances of arrangements and, you know, all of those things. And for most of us, we went into kind of survival mode and which means figure out how to make it work, whatever that means. And the other thing is we didn't know the duration. We didn't know how long this was going to last. And so many of the things we put into place were like, just wing it, right? It's just for, we'll just get through this. But it lasted a lot longer than I think a lot of people planned for. And so what happens is we go into this crisis mode. We go into this anxious space because when we're uncertain about things, it creates anxiety. They just go hand in hand. And for a lot of people, there was a lot of loss and depression and all of these things were occurring, but we're in crisis mode. So we're in survival mode, which means we're not really attending to our emotions. We're just going through the process in order to get things done. And so what I'm seeing happen now, and let me kind of back up for just a moment. The other thing that occurred is many people were already struggling with anxiety, depression, relationship conflicts, all of these things. They didn't just come up during COVID. They were there for many people. And COVID pandemic just exasperated that, you know, for couples, you couldn't get around the fact that there was conflict because now you're with this person all the time, right? And you've slowed down. And you've slowed down and you don't have all the distractions. Mm-hmm. You can't go off to the gym. You can't go off with your friends to go do something. You know, you're, there's just not a lot of options. And so all of this occurred, right? We're in crisis mode. We're just doing what we have to do. We have all these changes we never knew would be a part of our lives. And yet they occurred. Our kids are at home on the computer doing schoolwork. That's unusual. Now you're home teacher and employee, like it's a a lot to manage. So what's happened is now people are starting to get the vaccination. Um, Things are starting to open up and all of those emotions we may not have had an opportunity to attend to are still there. And so we're, they're coming up and we're experiencing them. Either you're experiencing them and working through them or you're avoiding them, which has its own repercussions. You know, I just, I don't want to look at that. I'm going to just disassociate from that. I'm just going to distract myself. And the other thing I'm seeing is that people are, are in this personal crisis of, okay, I've had the vaccination now, but I'm not really comfortable going and being in social settings, being in large groups. Perhaps I'm naturally very introverted. And now you want me to go back to something that truly isn't naturally comfortable for me but I'm feeling pressure to do it. Um, so there's these, uh, there's these new things to work through. So I don't think there's necessarily this concept of going back to normalcy. I think things have changed. And I think the coming back to a baseline is going to take time. It's not going to be quick. And for many, it's not going to be easy. And so this is the time to really, if you weren't doing it before, to get support, to seek help, to talk through things, to process. And even to look at, hey, there's some aspects of what occurred that changed during COVID that maybe I want to continue. Right. And give yourself permission. Right. Right. Something that we've talked about, we've talked about the couples that were couples going into COVID. How have people who were single 
handle the fact that they haven't been able to maybe go out with friends to happy hours, which would be normally the way they'd meet someone. And what about the loneliness that's come out? And isolation and loneliness has been a um, difficult thing for a lot of individuals. Um, And of course that exasperates depression and anxiety, especially if that was already present, which it is for a lot of people. Um, I've noticed that the, the dating apps have gone, you know, people have really been accessing those as a way to kind of connect with people and, you know, do sort of online dating that's online. Um, But I think, again, it's, it's this change that, oh, now we're supposed to get together with everybody. And you think that that's going to, that it might sound great, but it's still an adjustment. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's just a lot of adjustments that have to happen. And certainly with during COVID and the pandemic, I worked with a lot of individuals struggling with that, the the discomfort around isolation, feeling so lonely and, and resourcing a problem solving. How do I find access to, to maybe a book club that's online, maybe doing an exercise program where it's being videoed live and it's just a few people and it's, you know, where you feel like there's some human interaction. Mm-hmm. But again, there's that resourcing and believing that you can find that and that you want to pursue it. Right. And you can. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. One of the important things that I'm hearing you say is giving yourself permission, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, being okay with where you are, but also realizing there are tools to get to the next step. Right. Right. You know? And when we're feeling down and depressed and isolated or even anxious, it becomes this cloud that's very hard to kind of, it's like this monkey stuff to, to move through, to find those resources. Yeah. Um, and that's hard. hard. You know, you're just like, I just, I'm, I'm just going to sit here. I don't even know. How, I don't even have the energy to figure out what could even be available, let alone the energy it takes to try something new. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and that's, you know, that segues into that concept of self care and how important it is, but how important it is to establish our self care that you have like this, I call it a toolbox. It's like, here's my stuff that typically works for me. Not all the time, not in all circumstances, because when you're in that depressed or, or anxious or difficult space, you know, you're in crisis mode, perhaps where you're thinking your analytical mind of what are my options isn't probably working at full capacity. So to have that toolbox of like, you know, I know that just doing some stretches or some deep breathing or guided meditation or going for a walk really does make a difference for me. And so I'm going to try that. And so you go and you do that and see how it feels. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't, but you go on to the next thing. If it doesn't, but you've got some stuff already uh, established. Mm-hmm. So too, like one of the things I'm, I'm hearing is that there are people out there like yourself that can help, but people have to personally want to take that step. You can't take that step for somebody, you know? And that's, I think as mothers, we struggle Mm -hmm. with that as women, we struggle with that. Or me personally, it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I see this. And I think this will fix it. Can I fix it for them? And that's not really the case. They have to make that choice. Right. Right. Even if it's something that they would probably choose, you know, it's just, there's something different when you feel that resourcefulness, when you locate it and you implement it, as opposed to somebody saying, I think this is what you should do. You know, even if it's the thing you really could and would and probably benefit from, it's just a different avenue. It's just, yeah, especially with kids, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
Like just yeah. reach out to your friends, just set up a call and, and they don't do it. You're like, that would make such a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like sometimes I feel like, well, if you would just do this, but <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And of course I guess the same thing when, when in therapy sessions, I'm not telling clients what to do. I'm helping them to access their, their own personal resources. We all have the ability to heal and soothe ourselves and come and give ourselves what we need and recognize what that is. So somebody telling you is not the same as really kind of getting deep and going, what really serves me? And it may be very different from the next person. And that's totally fine. I love that. That is so good. Like you're not telling people what to do. You're just helping them find what deep inside their own self is telling them what works for them. And I truly believe that they already know it. A lot of times like that permission piece, it's, they may not realize they do, or they may not have that, like that tipping point that goes, Oh, well, that's kind of like this thing I used to do when I was, you know, in high school or growing up that just was so fun, or maybe I would just like lose track of time. And then, so there's an option that's similar to that in some way as an adult that really resonates for me. You know, it's just like going to that place of exploratory option. What are the options that could be there for you? And those moments of those, oh, or aha are so cool. Yes. And they happen too. (laughs) Yes. So if people want to connect with you, Dr. Stanley, do you hold virtual appointments as well as in person right now? Yes, I'm doing both. Um, so there, and that's always been available. So we can do virtual, you know, and I'm flexible with that in that, you know, I have a lot of clients that travel and we're at least with during COVID, not as much, but now that's starting to, to amp back up. And so, you know, when they're traveling, we'll do virtual when they're in, in town, they want to come in, they come in. Um, so both of those options are available. And then you also have some classes on your website for a guided imagery. Will you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that and what that provides for people? So I offer a, a variety of different workshops and they're virtual or they're in-person or they're one-on-one. And so you have that option to choose what fits for you. And like we said about COVID and pandemic, some people, even though there's in-office workshops, they still want to do virtual. They still want to do the video. That just feels comfortable. I hated it at first and now I love it because it's yeah, like, it's I can less, be less hectic to get I don't have traffic to deal with. I don't have my cup of tea here. This is awesome. Right. Right. So it's, it's so the guided imagery and meditation workshop is explaining that what those are explaining and some history about it. So people understand where does this come from and how does it benefit us? So both emotionally psychologically, but also, um, biologically, you know, that there's, when we, when we use guided meditation, when we use, uh, different forms of meditation, guided imagery, um, that it does impact our, our nervous system. It does balance our hormones. There's a variety of different things that we benefit from. So I explain that, but then I, then we, we practice using guided imagery. We practice different forms of meditation. I help them for create their own guided meditation that resonates with them. Perhaps it's an area that they're wanting to um, focus on. Maybe it is their relationships. Maybe it's um, health, you know, wanting to really kind of hone in on their bodies and their health and their, their nutrition and just really implementing these things. And so I'll help them create that and then either 
we do this together where I record a guided meditation for them using their words, or I help them create their own. It just depends on personal preference. Most people want me to do the recording for them, but I am record, I'm recording their, their language, their messages, the things they need to hear, their affirmations. And then I give it to them and then they can listen to it anytime, you know, they can listen to it for their own personal meditation. They can listen to it in the car and a lot of affirmations, a lot of imagery of what they want to experience and so forth. And so um, that's that package of that workshop. And then I also do, um, it's interesting because I've, these workshops are, are ones that were in place, but they, before COVID and, but they are so relevant to COVID now. Like one is um, uh, changing your thoughts and changing your body. And I know for a lot of people, so it's again, affirmations, the beliefs we tell ourselves, but for a lot of people, they've gained a lot of weight during COVID, eating more, drinking more, doing all these things, not exercising. And so that's, this workshop sort of like a reboot. What am I telling myself? What's hindering me getting my way? And how do I want to feel about my body? And what do I want to implement now? So that's another workshop that's out there. And that's, that that's a good one. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Very powerful. I just, I, you know, I feel like that is, you're speaking my language because I yeah. think that's so true. So many people are stuck in these thoughts of, mm-hmm. oh, well, this is how my body is. And so this is just how it's going to be. And not realizing that you can change that. You can change that. You sure can. And then the other thing I hear quite a bit is like legacy. Well, all the women in my family are like this. And that goes with, I mean, I hear it when it comes to sexual functioning too. My mom has told me that she had pain with sex or, you know, things like that. My mom went through her uh, menopause was miserable. So mine's feeling miserable and that's just the way it is. No, it's not. It does not need menopause does not need to be miserable. Pain is not supposed to be there. And so that legacy piece, again, it's another belief. It's a message that, or all of our bodies are built this way. All the women in my family, you know, have whatever thick thighs or it's like, it doesn't, it's not imprinted as um, much as people think. Yeah. I love that. That Mm -hmm. is so good. And I just, I feel like people can't hear that enough. Yeah. Well, there's your affirmations, right? So write it down, put it someplace, see it all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, put it on your mirror. You can get a Sharpie, write it on your mirror, whatever it is you want to affirm. You can wipe it off with like nail polish remover. It's not permanent. (laughs) Just put it there so that even when you're brushing your teeth, you're even not even aware of it perhaps, but um, subconsciously you're, you're seeing that message and it's affirming, affirming. I love it. Yeah, this has been so good and so informative and we will link your website. Oh, can you go ahead and tell us what your website is? So that all sure. it's, it's www.tiffanystanleytherapy.com. And that Great. will be in it's all one word. Yeah. Great. Well, we're going to put that in our notes so that people can have access to it and links to it. And so that they can find you so Ooh. they can schedule with you so they can see your workshops that you have on your website. And, um, we have one final question. Yeah. Okay. So we have one question we like to ask the guests that um, come on the podcast the first time. 
And, you know, we believe living in vibe is about bringing moments of balance and joy and fun into your life. And we've already heard from you how important you think that is. What's one or a couple of your favorite ways to live in vibe? Live in vibe. Well, um, you know, again, self-care and lots of affirmations and then sort of that recheck of my affirmations. Um, what is it that I really, like, if I'm feeling like my time is feeling really rushed, the affirmation of I have more than enough time, you know, I just have more than enough that in itself just calms the system. And in reality, you will have more time because you're not frantic and then bumping into things and dropping things. and all of that stuff. So I would say affirming affirmations, um, just that self-care. I, I'm really adamant about my sleep. I'm adamant about my sleep. Like routine, like you know, silk pillowcase, so I'm comfy. My eye mask, my ear. I mean, you know, it's just somebody else might go, "Oh my gosh, okay, princess." No, it's it's what helps me to have sleep that's nurturing, and it makes a difference for me. And that's when we think about self care, it's got to be personal, and it's got to be effective for you. So my sleep, my bed my routine for going to sleep, all of that is so important. And it's, it's one of those things that you, when we talk about toolbox, it's in there and it's a go-to. I know that if, and the other things may be keeping things organized, you know, that I'm stressed out and overwhelmed. My closet's a mess when there's stuff everywhere, I'm overwhelmed. And so that is just one of those things that I implement that make me feel better. May not be important to someone else. It is for me. And so it does resonate as self-care. I love so that. that is that being in my vibe, like what works for me, what makes me feel good, what makes me feel acknowledging I'm taking good care of myself, which is, again, feels great. And, and it's not selfish. I love it. So I, I hope everyone will go check out your website because as they're hearing from this conversation, there's so much you offer in your practice and so many things that can help people love themselves more and then have more fulfilling relationships with others as a result. And so I I hope people start to take advantage of this. Yes. And so you guys that are listening today, go and like this podcast and share it with others. If you found that this podcast helps you and leave us a review that always helps as well. So thanks for listening. And thank you for coming on Dr. Stanley. You're so welcome. It was fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to InVibe Live Conversations. For more information and to join our community, be sure to check out our website at InVibeLive.com. We look forward to sharing with you.